On the Tech Talk for Accountants show, Andrew Lassis shares helpful tips for accountants and the technology issues they face. Join Andrew and his occasional guests on our weekly episodes. And with me today, we have a very special guest, Rondolin Rondolin, how are you doing? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me. Definitely. And so, you know, I want to I want to dig into it just right off the rip. Um, and before before we do, though, why don't you give the the listeners a little background on who you are uh, just to give just to give the rest of the show context? Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm the author of six books now, um, the last three of which are related to pricing. From the con- in the context of professional services. So that's sort of my area of specialty. I trained as a chartered accountant and a lawyer in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. And I now have lived for the past about 15 years in Melbourne. And I work exclusively with accountants. So my main passions are cash flow, doing advisory of cash flow and uh, pricing. Pricing. And that's one of the things that so many accountants and professional service i mean really just any any person when they get into business you know that's that's one of the the huge hang-ups i know when i had started my company it was like oh well if i if i say a number like what if they shoot me down and you know because especially if if you what if they pay what if they pay it (laughs) oh what if they pay it people you know they they get hung up on this this dollar thing it's like if, if you've been working for somebody else, you've essentially, you just sold yourself and your time and it's a little more consistent, but I mean, that's essentially what you're doing when you are self-employed or growing a business. It's the same concept. It's just different tactics, basically. So your, your book, Pricing Value, why is it called pricing value when everybody is familiar with value pricing? Well, there's a reason, there are very specific reason. And the first one is this. We've been talking about value pricing in our industry for decades, but the numbers clearly show that 90% of accountants and bookkeepers, because I, you know, collectively um, refer to both, um, basically are still not doing it. They're still charging by the hour or using cost-based methodologies of which fixed pricing is one. So to me, value pricing isn't working, clearly isn't working. And there's a reason it's not working. I think that there's this, this is funny nuance, right? So obviously I work with professional services that includes lawyers and other, other professionals, not just accountants, but here's the tricky bit. Accountants specialize in numbers, right? That's what we do for a living. We went to school, university, and trained because we're good with numbers. Now, pricing looks like a number. So I think that a lot of accountants think that they'll be good at pricing because they're good with numbers. But here's the problem. Pricing ain't a number. It's a feeling. It's an experience. And that's where accountants have gone wrong. And that's why I've basically dragged the word pricing to where it rightfully belongs in the phrase, right? Because I think we should spend 95 
clients? And then how do we capture and communicate more value? And then we worry about pricing down the, down the line, right? Because until we actually create and capture and communicate more value, we haven't earned the right to put our prices up. So it's premature. It's like putting the cart before the horse to worry about the semantics of pricing. And do you need three packages? And should it end in a nine or a zero? And all that stuff is fluff. Because to me, if you haven't created enough value, doesn't matter what price you put on it, people aren't going to pay. And so these are really important and powerful nuances because, you know, just because you're good with numbers doesn't mean you're going to be great with pricing. But here's the thing. If you aren't good at creating value, you're never going to command a premium price. And if you can't do that, you actually cannot help your clients because every single client that comes to you has pricing problems themselves. Right. So if you're not an expert at pricing your own services, how are you going to help all your clients, you know, fix their pricing? You know, pricing's the key driver. I always say it's the fulcrum, right? It's the point at which you exert pressure to get leverage in your business. If your pricing is terrible, you have no hope of making a profit. And if you don't have a profit, guess what? You never have good cash flow. So pricing is, you know, the key. Pricing is everything, and it also impacts how you show up in the relationship, right? If you don't show up thinking about how you're going to create value and what it's worth to your client, if you don't show up that way, you're done at the beginning. You're constantly going to be chasing your tail and having to discount and write off time and pay people to, you know, follow the accountant down the street. These are, you know, these are fundamental issues that we need to get right in our profession. So I'm sure the, the question that you probably get asked all the time, and I'm sure I know the answer, what's the magic bullet? What's the secret sauce? How do I just click one thing and then all of a sudden everything gets fixed with, with uh, pricing? Look, you can't, right? Mm -hmm. If I had to pick one thing and boil it down, the one thing I would pick probably would be mindset, right? Mindset. Unfortunately... We come into this pricing battle, not a, a clean slate. We have a lot of legacy crap that we've dragged along with us from however long we've been in practice. And it's not as easy as just dumping all that crap at the door and saying, OK, well, now I'm going to do it differently because it's deeply ingrained in how you think about what you're worth. It's deeply ingrained how you communicate with your clients. It's deeply ingrained how you organize your practice and what you measure, the KPIs, how you remunerate yourself and your team. All of that stuff is holding you back. And so to me, it's about changing your mindset. About It's basically a question of unlearning. The mm -hmm. key to pricing the value is basically get, getting rid of all the stuff that's dragging you down, right? So we have to unlearn all of it in order to price ourselves properly and um, command the value that we actually bring to the engagement. And that's what it's what it's really about. It's it's not about us. You know, I, I always one of the things I hear that just, you know, drives me wild is people saying, I want to get the price I deserve. It ain't about you. <laughs> the price you deserve is a red herring. It's a distraction. It's not about you. It's about, you know, I use the analogy in chapter one of my book about this glass of water. And I, you know, take that through the book. And I basically say that if you're to offer a glass of water to somebody, that glass of water can be 
drastically different values depending on how thirsty the person is, right? If you're sitting in your office, it's not worth a lot. But if you're in a third world country, maybe you've gone to Mexico or Thailand, and you can't drink the water that's coming out of the tap. Well, the water is going to be worth more to you in that context. And so it's about us figuring out how thirsty our clients are and what a drink of water would actually be worth to them. That is far more valuable and far more important and impactful than you worrying about the semantics of pricing. We need so, to spend more time asking those questions. So if we're focusing on value on an individual basis, you know, in your analogy, how thirsty is the client? If, if we're looking at that on a big picture, is that you need to do specific pricing for specific clients based on the value that they need? Or is it more of we set aside these buckets and kind of focus the energy of the sales presentation towards the value that that client is actually looking for? What's, or is there a, a balance between the two? How does that look? Well, look, when you're doing pure on value, you have to price every client differently. Because if I were to come in and look at your firm, let's say I, I pull your financial statements and I take a look at the cash flow in your business, your cash flow pain will have a different um, origin and it will have a different magnitude than the guy next door. And so the solution will be worth something different to you than it will be worth to the person next door. And the extent of how we're going to be working together, what solutions will be, will be different. And you cannot charge company A and company B the same thing just because they both have cash flow pain or just because they both have eight people on payroll. It doesn't work like that anymore. So the, the starting premise is, yes, we have to price based on the value of the engagement per person. But, you know, then there's also subscription pricing, which is kind of that next level of value based pricing where you're basically pricing the entire portfolio of everything that you could possibly do in your practice and you're charging subscription-based pricing but it's not subscription like the way that you and I would think of it like you know the zero and QuickBooks memberships or subscription but that's a product right what you're doing in a services environment is you're pricing your entire portfolio and that's a totally different kettle of fish because you're basically saying anything financial that you need done we will do and for the privilege of that, it will cost you X. And so there's two different kind of very different levels of value-based pricing. One of them is what you're probably most familiar with, but the next is this you know, second level that we're moving towards in a subscription-based economy where people won't own stuff anymore. You know, if you take a look and um, I don't know if you're if you're following what's happening in the automotive industry, but dealers like Porsche and others are moving to areas where they're offering subscriptions. So people aren't going to own Porsches anymore. They're going to buy subscriptions to the brand and the brand is going to deliver various cars at different points in time, which you will drive and then kindly return to them when you're done with them. And so we're moving away from an economy where we own things and to where we just subscribe to things. So let's just kind of keep in mind that Value-based pricing is evolving over time. It is now moving into this other realm of um, experiences. Mm -hmm. 
And that is even that is even more complicated than just the basic stuff that we've been grappling with for two months or for two decades, right? Yeah, I love that that point of view of ownership. And I mean, my brain goes seventy thousand layers crazy deep into topics like this. But uh, you know, there's and I mean, I I had seen some of the headlines of like the here is here's like your your car as a subscription versus like leasing versus owning but even in that discussion of like lease versus own and it's like okay well why is it important to own the car and like you know if i'm leasing it then i don't technically own it and it's like but i mean you would still call it your car like this is just kind of back end like what the payment structure and the technical ownership but yeah. like the car gets totaled and I, I had a friend who worked at a car dealership and um when rush tech was starting to get bigger i was like i'm gonna buy a tesla i'm gonna buy it cash blah 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 and he was like he was like you shouldn't own a car and i was like what well why he's like it's a depreciating asset like you drive it off the lot like you wouldn't buy a stock if you knew it was going to crash tomorrow right and he's like well <laughs> but i mean i want to own it he's like what difference does it make? Like, is somebody taking it from the garage? Like, it's still in your garage. Like, you mm -hmm. still pretty much own it. It's just what happens in a couple of years. And are you going to want an older car? Or do you just look at it like it's a monthly cost and you don't get to own a depreciating asset? But like, what's actually the value of even owning that? And I think the world is coming around to the idea of like the SaaS models and in IT, you know, there's a billion different, there's platform as a service and then infrastructure as a service. And so everything in, in our realm is going to subscription-based and managed services as opposed to, hi, my network's down, can I pay you to fix it? But the continuity. And so for accountants, it's kind of the same thing kind of your, your loss leader is, is kind of the, the compliance and the, okay, I'll do your taxes and okay, by the way, bookkeeping, but like they want to be in the, in the consultative side of things, the helping to grow the businesses, but then that's where the clients want to be too. They want to be in the forward thinking, what can we do proactively well, that's what that's that's the only thing they value, right? Because they don't actually care about their tax returns. I mean, they need to get it in, and they're going to earn, own, you know, owe a certain amount of taxes. That's a given, but it's about that doesn't help them grow their business. It doesn't right. help them feed their family. It's like now what? Great, we paid our taxes, wonderful. But how do I fix my business? How mm -hmm. do I secure working capital? I mean, look what's happened now with COVID nineteen. COVID nineteen. Even if anyone was ever in doubt before COVID-19, they're not in doubt anymore. The average small business globally has less than 25 days of cash flow runway. And most of them are under 15. 50% are under 15 days, which is why people are on their knees, right? That if, if COVID did nothing else, it highlighted this intrinsic fact that we as accountants have known for centuries that businesses don't have enough cash flow buffer they don't have enough working capital they're you know huge cash problems but a lot of them weren't 
it wasn't top of mind. It wasn't something that was driving them to come into us and ask a lot of questions. And we didn't get taught in school to go and ask the stuff that we got in, taught in school is useless, right? We got taught accrual accounting. Accrual accounting is it crazy stuff. It obfuscates financial performance, right? We didn't get taught how to teach people cash flow without trying to make them into accountants. We didn't learn storytelling. We didn't learn how to ask really great questions that cause people to really think and realize the value of what they would gain by working with us in an advisory capacity. And we need to then, you know, basically now retrain ourselves. We have to actually go out and seek this in information ourselves because we didn't learn what we needed to learn in university. We just learned a lot of technical skills, which are wonderful, but that's not going to help us help people, right? You know, the average, one of the biggest challenges that I see with accountants is that the number one challenge that we have is our failure to help the clients to anticipate, recognize, and help them adapt to or overcome their own resistance to change, right? You know, we're, we've got all these technical skills and we're like, you know, you need to collect your debt quicker. You need to do this. You need to do that. But the client doesn't want to change. The client hates to change, even if what they're doing is stupid or crazy or burning their business to the ground. They don't want to change. And we haven't been trained as a profession in these sort of softer behavioral management skills that can help people to face their fears and break through them and actually implement this stuff. And that's the real power to and, me, right? Is going in with that mindset. And, but then, you know, the, the soft skills, that's, that's kind of like the opposite of that, the left brain accountant. That's just like, here are some numbers. What story do you want the numbers to tell? And I will, you know, Make I will make the numbers tell the story that you want to tell, but tell me what you want it to do, as opposed to a a more holistic like the soft skills. The I mean even changing your pricing. I mean I've I've personally looked at it more on a I. I refuse to be, and I wasn't always like this, but I, I just refuse to be the, the cheapest and win customers by charging less than my competitors. Like that's, it's the worst possible strategy because the type of people that are attracted to that are literally the worst clients. We have some clients that are paying us. And I mean, you know, different organizations, obviously it's going to cost more to manage, but we have some people that are paying 10, 20, 30 times what other organizations are paying. And the ones that are paying a ton more, they're actually getting more value and it's taking less of our time. And they're the ones that are receptive to the suggestions that we make. And when we say you should upgrade your firewall here, are the benefits of doing that but it's going to cost $400. They don't say, I don't like $400. No, like the smaller one that's paying nothing, expecting the world, you know, we'll, we'll resolve a problem in four hours as an outsourced IT for, for a solopreneur. And they'll be like, oh, it took four hours. This is unacceptable. And it's like, 
if you had a full-time employee on staff at 60,000 a year, it would have taken them three hours. <laughs> but those, the ones that, you know, we win by pricing the lowest possible end up being the headaches. But how do you, how do you get over that hurdle of what if I raise my prices and people leave? Or what if I charge too much and somebody says no and they don't want to be my client and I would have done it. So what if you don't put your prices up and people stay? (laughs) Oh, that's good. You've, you've been asked this one before, I'm sure. (laughs) You know, it's, but it's the truth, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, we're in the business of helping our clients, right? We're, we're sort of like the frontline workers of the financial industry, right? So right now we've got COVID-19 and everyone's, you know, very much focused on the doctors and the nurses and everyone that's helping, you know, to fight the infections in the hospitals, right? And they're the frontline workers. We're the frontline workers for the business segment of our, you know, communities. Um, If we don't help our clients, they're not going to make it. They're going to go on to ventilators and a lot of them are going to die. You know, we see this happening, right? They're not getting PPP loans. They're not, you know, Kanye West got one, but, you know, the average small business that you help down the street doesn't qualify. And it's like, how do we help people and show them how to manage their own money more wisely? And and how do we open that conversation with them and focus it around um, things that we're really good at? I mean, you can't do deep, meaningful, valued, impactful advisory for everybody in their dog. You know, you have to be good at something. And that could be a vertical niche or a horizontal niche. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but you have to specialize in stuff because the more value that you can create by creating solutions that really automatically disqualify your competitors, right? The more money you can charge. And this is the essence of it, right? It's, you know, to charge more money we actually must specialize. We must add more value. We don't get to put our prices up until we've earned that right. And that's what everyone's, you know, I, I, I liken this to the social media superstar, you know, expert sort of thing that's going on. Everybody and their dog wants to get on LinkedIn and all these different mediums and brand themselves as an expert and blah, blah, blah. How about you actually be an expert? You know, like how about if you start? by investing 10,000 hours, as Malcolm Gladwell and others have said, at actually becoming an expert in something that's highly specialized so that when people come to you, it doesn't matter what the hell you charge because you're so good at what you do that everybody knows that, hey, if you have a problem with X, you've got to go to Andrew because he's the man, right? He's the guy that will fix this problem. And it doesn't matter what you charge. People are going to come to you because they 100% know that you can fix it for them and turn it around and that somebody else down the street, they're just a regular accountant, they might not have that expertise, right? And Mm -hmm. that's, I think, where, unfortunately, because of the way that we've been taught and and brought into our profession, there's this belief that, you know, we can be all-rounders, right? We can be across every discipline. We can do anybody's tax return. We can do anybody's bookkeeping. Yes. But to charge a premium price, you can't do that, right? Because the whole essence is of of this. 
there has to be so much economic value in what you do, Andrew, above and beyond the time and materials that went into it, that it literally causes the price to be irrelevant. It literally causes you to automatically disqualify everybody else that showed up and tried to quote on this project. And that's the essence of it. How do we specialize and become so good that we just know our target so well that we know exactly what their pain points are and we know what it's going to take to fix them and we can prove that we can fix them. It's not just some pie in the sky, you know, I can do it and, you know, here's my plan. It's that 55 other customers who look exactly like you are saying that I can do it. It's about proof, you know. And do you look at, you know, people when, when we're describing, it's like, oh, this person is a doctor or this person is a lawyer, you know, lawyers, attorneys, they don't, they don't just, hi, I am an attorney. I, I passed the bar exam. I'm a personal injury attorney. I'm a divorce attorney. I'm a small business attorney. I'm contract attorney. Like they have figured it out. Doctors, you know, if I have a bump on my skin, I'm not going to go to a brain surgeon, but if I go to a pathologist, (laughs) Exactly. So we we recognize, oh, doctors, they make a lot of money. Lawyers, they make a lot of money, but they have to turn down business because they are specialists and they are niched. And, you know, there are a million specialists even in those fields. But we, we look at it like, well, I mean, most of what I do, it can translate from industry to industry to industry. And, you know, with with IT, when we focus on accountants, I can copy paste 99% of what we do specifically for accountants to almost anybody. But that specialization in knowing the software that they use, in knowing the pain point that they feel, you know, you you talk to 99 different IT companies and you say, what's the significance of July 15th, 2020. And they say, well, I mean, I don't know. But to us, it's like our clients, you know, it's tax deadline. That date is important to us because it's important to our clients. But to the guy down the street who's fixing computers, whatever, it's just another day. It doesn't really apply to him. Unless obviously, you know, he waited to get his taxes done to, to the deadline. But you know, for, for the client purposes. And and that's really what, what we've done. And with the specialization that we've done for accountants, it's not that it doesn't translate into other industries. And a lot of our clients are not accountants, Hmm. but the truth is our marketing and messaging, it's specifically for that. Our training, our certifications are for that. And because of that, and that's why I love the the pricing value concept. If an accountant comes to us and we say it costs this much to do business with us, and they say the guy down the street is charging that much, can can you match his price? It's like you don't do that with a doctor, and you don't do that with a lawyer. And not if you want someone good. Right, right. Well, but if you're, if you're dying of cancer and you go to the best oncologist, you don't ask the dude for a discount. It's like, look, exactly. exactly. You're here because you want to live, right? Right. 
<laughs> right. Well, Ronalyn, I want to be conscious of your time and thank you so much for being on the show. If you had one thing, one call to action for the listeners to the show, what would it be? Probably the one thing that I would say is when is now the best time to start pricing the value, right? Because you can think about it. You can actually think yourself into, uh, you know, a circular you know, going round and round and round and never making a decision because we as accountants, we, we think too much, right? But it's about <laughs> doing. How do we, like, how are the tires going to hit the pavement? What are you, what are you going to do? What are you going to read? Who's going to support you? How are you going to take your first steps to learning what types of questions you should be asking? For me, it's about, you know, action. So pricing, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's not a theoretical thing. It's about actually getting out there and putting um, it into practice. And so I just, my big thing is take a step. Do it. Take action. It doesn't matter, right? Even if it doesn't work out or whatever, you just keep going because what you're doing is actually worse than failing because you're not getting, you're not getting paid a fair amount for the amount of impact that you really bring to a person's um, business. And that, that's a real shame because you can't feel good about yourself when you're not getting paid a decent amount based on the value that you bring to the table. And so my big thing for accountants is to, you know, start taking care of themselves you know, especially during COVID-19, accountants have never worked harder in their lives than they are working right now. And a lot of them are not getting paid or they're writing stuff off and doing things for free. It's it's insanity to me. This, you know, there has never been a better time in the history of the world to price the value you bring to the table as right now today. Because without you, these businesses are going under. Therefore, you should be able to find a way to communicate value and get paid for it. Awesome. Well, Rondalyn, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, pricing value, we're going to have it in the show notes at rushtech.online. And guys, if you enjoyed the show, please be sure to like and review us. It's how we can grow the show. Subscribe, get notified when we put out more episodes. And Rondalyn, thank you so much for being on the Tech Talk for Accountants show. No, oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Take care. Bye. Take care.